0: the theme that runs through the book of ecclesiastes is the theme of wisdom. In fact, you can say it's a major theme that runs through the whole of scripture as I shared earlier and it's actually a lens that we can look through to help us understand scripture and who God is and what he's done for us. Of course, in the bible, if you know the bible a little bit, you know that it's broken up into narrative, to the epistles, but it also has a part of the bible that which we call wisdom literature. And some of the wisdom books are the book of Job, uh, parts of the Psalms are are wisdom literature, and also Ecclesiastes. And the question that we need to answer just right off the top is this, what is wisdom? You have to understand that throughout the ages, even since the beginning of time, we have known of societies who have sought for wisdom. We have the Greek philosophers in in the ancient world and we know that philosophy from Greek means philo, love, and sophie is wisdom, so it's a love of wisdom. And they were searching for the good life, for the virtuous life. I'm going to share with you now as we enter into this theme and as we enter into our text that without God, without the Lord God at the center, in this search for wisdom, it mounts to foolishness. We're going to read shortly that this question has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? If Christ is not at the center, if the cross is not at the center, then all the wisdom that we seek mounts to foolishness. Because at the heart of the Bible is the wisdom of God in the person. Of Jesus Christ And so as we open our Bibles We're going to learn as well That the fear of the Lord Is the beginning of wisdom That God desires That we live a holy life That pleases Him Is a wise life But this life that pleases Him Is disclosed before us Through God's word We learn that To live before God In a wise way We have the word of God To help us And in it, we learn that God preserves this world in wisdom. He gives us his word in wisdom, and he points us to Christ in wisdom, who is our savior. So everything that we need to know about wisdom, then, is founded in his word. Do you seek for this wisdom? Do you seek godly wisdom? So let us learn a little bit about this wisdom from a New Testament context. And we're going to open the Bible at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. There we find the following words. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him... And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Do you seek wisdom? In a world of fake news and fact-checking and media biases, theories abound about everything. The question is relevant and the question is needed. Do you seek godly wisdom? And I want to just break up this text into four parts and ask this, you know, four qualities of those who seek godly wisdom. What are these four qualities that we need to appropriate, bring into our hearts as people who seek godly wisdom? And the first one is that we are to be humble. The second is that we need to stand in awe of God. The third is that we need to trust in his word. And the fourth is that we need to depend on him in prayer. And I need to be very, very clear with you this morning that the search for wisdom is grounded in humility. As we learn in scripture, God gives grace to the humble and imposes the proud. I don't think I'm the only one that comes face to face with his or her stupidity uh, maybe quite often. I like this quote from Albert Einstein. He says, two things are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. And I'm not sure about the universe. And so he's arguing that human stupidity is infinite and I would agree you see, godly wisdom is the right application of knowledge. That is the knowledge of God. The more we know God, the more we can put that into action, and that's godly wisdom. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 17 says, Then I apply myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly, but I learned that this too is a chasing after wind. You can't hold on to it. But more than that, It seems that the more you know, the less you know. It's like waking up in the morning and saying, I know that I know nothing. That's how he starts his day. Ultimately, here it comes. You do not learn wisdom and knowledge of God. It's gifted to you. That's a surgery that God does on on your heart. He removes the pride. He makes you humble for you to realize that you don't know very much at all. When it comes to God, very little. And that's the gift of humility. But that's the first quality. Here's the second quality that we need to have in our search for wisdom, and that is this, that we stand in awe of God. They say intelligence is not what you know. Intelligent comes from asking the right questions. And I like to say that wisdom is in the same category as intelligence here, that to become wise, you need to ask the right questions. And one of the questions that you need to ask, where you need to begin asking are questions that show your smallness and God's greatness. It might be very good to look up into a, this vast universe and ask the inevitable question, who is behind all that you see? That's a good place to start when you seek for wisdom. Verse four, who has gone up to heaven and come down? Whose hands have gathered up the wind? Who has wrapped up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? These questions leave you spellbound because no mere mortal has gone up to heaven and come down save the incarnate one, Jesus. Have you been to the the pounding waves on the ocean when it's a windy day? Who can handle that? You know, humanity has stolen rocks from the moon to try to answer some of the deep questions about the universe, and in particular, our origins. But we're no closer to figuring that out than we were 4,000 years ago. Will we ever understand how a universe could be fashioned ex nihilo? Ex nihilos means out of nothing. How do you comprehend a universe that was fashioned? Even if people believe in the Big Bang, it still came from nothing. How do you compute that in your mind? You know, Darwin and Dawkins' cosmology, that's the study of the origins of the universe, are vain enterprises in light of these simple questions that we have in our text. And we are fools if we think that the finite mind that we have up here, locked in the corridors is up there can comprehend the infinite. And this is exactly where the Lord goes with Job, who questions God. Job 38, verse 4, he says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand, Job. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it, Job? And what did Job do to those questions? He covered his mouth. He says, I've spoken once, I'm not going to speak again. How can we possibly grasp God's power and wisdom in creation? Well, I tell you, I I struggled with this. What's he saying? I think there's a prophetic challenge here. It forces the reader to pause and ask this very important question. Is there a personal being that we can know behind all that we see in this vast universe? Is this random chance and time that's created what we see? Or is there a personal being that wants to be in a relationship with us and is already in a divine eternal relationship, i.e., the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes, we can know the Father and we can know the Son. We can know His name. It's interesting as I read some of Job this week as well. Job kind of explores the searching out of where does this all come from, what we have in front of us. And in chapter 28, he has these few lines on wisdom. He says in chapter 28, verse 20, where does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. This rumor of where this wisdom comes from points to God, the creator, who is in a relationship, an eternal one, with his son. And yet his name is not revealed to us here. But he has been revealed to us, and he is a personal being. And you need to know him. See, the search for wisdom ultimately should bring you not to looking up at the world and say, who created all this? And stop there. But to look at the world and say, who created all this? And then to say, but I can know him. He's revealed himself to me. His name is Jesus. Jesus will come and will say things like, if you have seen me, you have seen my father. He will say, no one can come to the father except through me. He had to come to rescue your soul from the death owing you. He had to come to reveal the will of the Father. And that will of the Father is this that whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. What's his name? His name is Jesus. Do you know him? Do you worship him? Do you stand in awe of him? The quality of someone who's seeking wisdom is humility, but it's also worship. It's the one you are drawn to, to worship, and his name is ultimately Jesus. Here's the third quality, to trust in the word. The only way that you can ultimately know Jesus, and that's through his word. It's pure. There's no mixture of falsehood. God has not given us a book to confuse us. In our series in Ecclesiastes, we're going to address the question, why am I here? And you're seeking the same answer as well. Why are you here? The answer to your question of why are you here is ultimately found in the word of God. It's only through the word that God leads you down the road that will bring you ultimately to the Son that we just talked about. You need to stand in awe of God. You need to trust in his word. And we're going to close with this. You need to depend on him in prayer. It says that wisdom grows through two means. The first is the careful study of God's word. And the second is experientially. That is that you're going to put God's word into practice. That's the other side of wisdom. It's not all head knowledge or heart knowledge even. It is living out that knowledge in day-to-day activities. And that's what Proverbs is all about. But it begins then with prayer. You see, I don't know if you notice as you open just those last verses there, that it's very much connected to the Lord's prayer. Did you see that? There's two petitions in here. First petition is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus knows that that needs to be our prayer. And this is the next petition in the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. That's a good word for God's people every day because both poverty and riches can open the door to the devil's lies and both of those draw us away from God. And so the question as I close off with you again, loved ones, is simply this. Do you seek godly wisdom? And do you believe that you need him more than you need life itself? He is your wisdom. He is your wisdom life.